Rise is a podcast dedicated to empowering women and sharing their occasional stories in order to help you become the best version of yourself. The show covers a wide range of topics to improve your business, body, mind, and soul. So welcome to Daughters Rise. What makes a good life for you? What what does it take for you to say, I am living a good life? You know, there's so many teachings from historical figures, and God being one of them. Um, But also, I found uh, the 10 rules of a good life that were listed by Aristotle. And he, I thought it was great because it really hit home to me on what I've been doing over the last, well, probably 10 years, where I've started to change my life to get down to more of a core set of values that I live by. And I do that in public and in private. And his rules for a good life really hit on a lot of that. And I started to look them up and look them up with the Bible as well to see if there's any correlation. There was quite a bit of, you know, obviously if you're talking about moral and ethical behavior, <clears throat> it, you're going to find that obviously in the Bible, but um thought I would share them with you. And, you know, they're definitely, they're not easy, but I think when we, when we really force ourselves to look, to look within and to release our ego in, in many instances, and I know you can't do it all the time, but in many instances to try to release your ego, you look within, you face yourself and you take full responsibility for your life and you don't blame others. You don't look to be a victim. You don't look to have a savior in your life, that you are your own savior, that you are the, the one that is creating or destroying the life that you have. And that's not to say that other people are not going to invade your space. They probably will. But at the end of the day, you have, you have various different choices you can make based on whatever somebody else is bringing to your life. And when you can look in the mirror and you can say, you know what, I owned all of this. That's when you know that you're at that stage where you're, you're living your best life. So let me show you what, what Aristotle said. So these are the 10 rules for a good life. Number one, know your fears and face them. Number two, know your appetite and control appetites and control them. Number three. Be neither a cheapskate nor a spendthrift. Number four, give as generously as you can. Number five, focus more on the transcendent, disregard the trivial. Number six, true strength is a controlled temper. Number seven, never lie, especially to yourself. Number eight, stop struggling for your fair share. Number nine, forgive others and forbear their weaknesses. And number 10, define your morality, live up to it, even in private. I thought that was fantastic. I love these. And, you know, I started looking up some of the Bible verses and I can share that with you where number one, know your fears and face them in second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, 
he's wrote, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now that's definitely not easy to to do, and it's not a comforting scripture when you know you are in the midst of something that's extremely fearful. But when you can stay in the spirit of um, power, love, and a sound mind to think straight, you are going to conquer any fear that you have. That's just a given. It's just a, a matter of time before that fear subsides and your strength and your power just excel in your life. Number two, he says, know your appetites and control them. And of course, there's lots of verses that I could attribute to this, but the one that really spoke to me was Colossians uh, chapter three, verse five, where he it's written, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I think when you decide to have a good life, it do, good life doesn't mean pure, but it certainly does mean that you have to put away those things that you know are wrong. You have to stop cheating. You have to stop lying. You have to stop lusting over things that you don't have. We have to follow what God says are our commandments. You know the commandments, right? <laughs> you shall have no other gods before me. Thou shall not make unto thee any graven image. Do not take the Lord's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath day holy and honor your mother and father. You should not be killing people. You should not be committing adultery. You should not be stealing. You should not false, bear false witness against any neighbor, which could be friends, coworkers, neighbors, somebody in the store. And thou shalt not covet. And coveting is if you are desiring something that you don't have that you want. So, um, and then number three, it was be neither a cheapskate nor a spendthrift. And a cheapskate, obviously somebody that um, doesn't want to part with their money. And uh, being a spendthrift is somebody who parts with their money all too often. And so you really want to balance that out, right? So I started to think about that, and I, the one that came to mind, the verse that came to mind was Proverbs fourteen, thirty-one, and it says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to the needy honors him. And it just made me think that, you know, some of us walk around and we're so, we're so cheap that we don't want to help the poor man that's sitting on the sidewalk. We don't want to um, help the person that's most in need because we don't want to give up what we have because we've worked too hard for it. Right. But then we've got the spendthrifts that are far too gen generous at times. And they sometimes leave themselves, um, oppressed or hurting or in need. So there's got to be a balance when you're managing your, your money and your wealth. 
and then give as generously as you can. And that's as you can. You don't have to give everything, but you have to, you have to, you have to be able to give to others. And that's not just money, obviously. It's many things. But I liked um, Hebrews thirteen sixteen regarding this. It says, "Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God." And of course, we all know that, right? If you know the Bible at all, you're, you're aware of what God is um, instilling in us and what he wants from us. So that goes right, right along with it, what Aristotle said, you know, give generously as you can. Number five, focus more on the transcendent and disregard the trivial. So when I was thinking about this one, it really made me think about, you know, what was the transcendent, right? Transcendent, I suppose, to me is is God and Holy Spirit. And so I had to ask myself, you know, well, what, what does that really mean? And it brought me to Psalms uh, 91, verse 14 and 15. And it says, because he loves me, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And I guess that's where God wants us to focus, right? He wants us to focus on him. He wants, he loves us. He gave his son for us to rescue us, you know? So we have to, we have to give back to him. We have to answer him and we have to be with him in our troubles and honor him. And I think that's how we can focus more on the transcendent and disregard any of the trivial things. Aristotle said in number six, true strength is a controlled temper, and I will absolutely vouch for this one. I used to have a, a terrible temper, and through the years as I aged, that diminished, but it was when God touched my heart that it just faded completely, and I no longer show up in conversations out of anger, I actually am able to control that and allow the, allow the situation to flow the way that it needs to flow. Right. Um, and not feel like I have to control it and be frustrated because I can't. And that brought me to a passage of in Leviticus 19, uh, chapter 19, verse 18, it says, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so that really brought a lot into my heart because I grew up in a family that was, our parents were, well, our father was big on holding grudges and his family, somehow they were raised that way. And I don't know why, but it just was it was his norm and it just was such an ugly way for him to live his life. And so he, I think that's what, where a lot of the anger and frustrations came from in our lives as we were growing, you know, in, in uncontrolled tempers, because when you are not hurt or you're, you're dealing with a lot of vengeance or grudges or, um, it's hard to stay in love in situations like that. And so that, 
I, I would have to say that that's probably the biggest um, realization for me. And I, I love that one, that the true strength actually comes in controlling yourself rather than sharing your temper. And then number seven, he says, never, never lie, especially to yourself. And that brought me to, I found Colossians chapter three, verse nine, where it says, don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and it's wicked deeds. So for me, that says, you know, we're in a time of change where we're focusing more on the transcendent. We're trying to control ourselves. We're making changes in our lives. We're controlling our appetites. We are releasing our fears. We're taking that walk with Jesus. And, you know, the, the one thing that we need to do is to really be honest with ourselves and to be honest with others. We have to, um, at times repent for our sins. We have to tell the truth and, you know, allow God to forgive us, allow God to show him, show us his grace, right? None of us are perfect. We all were born in a sinful nature and that's okay. You know, we all live our lives and there will become a time when we have to, we have to repent for our sins. We have to atone for our sins. And when we do that, we allow God to give us grace and we allow God to forgive us for that. But if we lie through it, especially to ourselves, we're not going to heal those things within us that need to really be healed. And then number eight, stop struggling for your fair share. And that I had to think about that one for a while because everybody's striving. We're all striving to do better and, you know, do, do more, be more, have more, earn more, <laughs> you know, we're all looking looking for that, that golden cup. But in the Bible, it, it actually says Proverbs 10 verse 22, the blessings of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. And I thought, well, isn't that something? Because I've been struggling for years to you know do more, be more, have more, achieve more. And, you know, when I finally start struggling and started to sit with myself a little bit more, I realized that the struggle was so unhealthy for me. And I just have to believe in God that the blessings that he has for me will come to me when he is ready to give them. And, you know, no amount of struggle that I, um, put myself through or, you know, put others through is going to change that. Now that's not to say you don't keep trying, you do, but I don't think that you have to struggle through it because if you're struggling, that's not, that'll essentially, it'll keep things from you anyway. So you just want to stop the struggle, but not the work. <laughs> and then number nine, forgive others and forbear their weaknesses. And I found in Colossians um, chapter three, verse 13, it says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you 
also do, which means forgive others. You know, as, as God has forgiven you, as you would like to be forgiven, forgive others. And that is so difficult. You know, I've, you know, like I told you, I came from, uh, you know, half of my parental, um, leader was very big on grudges. And so it was really difficult for me to move past that kind of mentality and to not hold grudges and not, um, and not focus on the negatives, you know, and that's a huge change. That's, that's something that we all have to do because the more we look at others through the lenses of love and through the lens of care and understanding and an attempt at understanding, if, even if we don't understand just the attempt at understanding is, is a way to love somebody. So that's where we all need to start focusing on. We need to start forgiving one another. We need to start letting those grievances go and allow love to guide us. I know it kind of sounds all foo-foo, right? You know, Dina, have you seen what's going on in the world? Seriously, girl? Well, yeah, I have. And it, The reason that we're going through what we're going through is because we are not all approaching each other and that's governments, businesses as well. We are not focusing on the love that this world has, that we're not focusing on the love that we have within ourselves in how we treat others and how we show up in a relationship. And that doesn't mean, you know, a sexual partner per se, but it could be any relationship that you have with your neighbor, with your you know, the person who's built that fence nine feet high that you can't stand and you just, you're so angry at them. For the person who has a dog who lets it poop or pee in your yard and you just cannot get past this. These are the moments where you have the choice to show up in love and and forgive the other's transgressions, or you can continue in the spirit of anger and be, you know, feel this bond of frustration. And that's all, that's all our choice. That's where you have to start owning your own lives and deciding how you're going to continue in this world. I think it's important to understand that we're all here to live our best lives, all of us. And some of us are more selfish than others. I get it. And some of us are more evil than others. I completely understand, but truly we have to stand in that, that spirit of love, because when we do, it changes others. So the things that you don't like in other people, if you can forgive them, and stand in love against it, you don't have to take it. I'm not saying you're a doormat, but I am saying that if you have the power of love behind you, eventually they either have to fade out of your life or they have to change. And then the last one, define your morality and live up to it. 
even in private. <laughs> that is so interesting because a lot of us, you know, we have this strong sense of morality when we're with our friends or with our coworkers, our bosses. But are you really truly living up to what you're talking about? Are you truly, or even in church, right? We, we walk in the church and we have this air of morality, you know, um, this um, air of perfection. We're here, we're showing up at church, everything's wonderful. But really, truly, are you living up to it? You know, when you leave, are you texting your, um, your um, girlfriend or boyfriend when your husband or wife are on their way back from church? Are you, you know, thinking about the, you can't wait to get to the bar to have several drinks and drive yourself home? I mean, you really have to start living the way that you want others to perceive you. And when you do that, you're going to find a whole new sense of freedom in, in this world. And that's where your good life comes in. When you start to feel a sense of true freedom, that is when you know you're living your best life. So I looked at several different verses, but Galatians 6.1 really spoke to me for, regarding this. And it's, it's written, brothers or sisters, <laughs> if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. And that's what I'm saying. Like you just show up in love and you hold that space in love for somebody. That doesn't mean that you are a doormat. It doesn't mean that they get to disrespect you or hurt you or demean you. Not at all. But what it does mean is that you stand in power in love. And like I said, these, these people that that are judging that are that you need to forgive whatever they're going to fade away or they're going to change and you get to stand in your true morality you get to stand there publicly and in private doing what you believe is best so i just like i said i just really liked aristotle's rules for living a good life it definitely matches where my life has been going and how I've been trying to approach myself and, and my um, morality and my sense of love. And I guess I just wanted to leave you with, you know, I know that the times in our world right now are tough. We've got chaos and well, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just horrendous behavior over across seas. We've got just so many fears here in the United States alone. A lot of things are going, um, going wrong. But in Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 through 17, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the, the days are evil. Therefore do not be. This is what's most important in our lives. We really need to rise up and be that light in the world. The more we share the darkness, the more we share the negativity and the 
the fears, the more we will see that in the world. So we really need to stand up and share the positive, be that strength, be that love, be that light for other people, whether they accept it or not, that's okay. That's up to them. That's not up to you. You need to show up in light. You need to show up in love. And when you can do that, you know, like I said, the world will change, but, um, it's going to be a gentle change. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, please like and follow Daughters Rise and share the show with someone you know who could benefit from listening too.